Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Bridge Bank. Be bold, venture wisely. I'm Dan Pramack. On today's show, big money for deep fakes and who will and won't be ringing bells when Uber goes public next month. But first, the return of measles. In the past week, there have been 70 new confirmed cases of measles in the U.S., bringing the 2019 total up to 695. That's in 22 states, five of which reported ongoing outbreaks as of Monday. And I know what you're probably thinking, because it's what I was thinking. Didn't we eradicate measles almost 20 years ago, as in officially eradicate it, according to the CDC? Yeah, of course we did. But now it's back, thanks in part to a growing anti-vaccination movement that's been enabled by social media, and in part maybe because people forgot just what a dangerous disease measles can be, particularly for young children. It is a completely avoidable public health crisis. We do have a vaccine here, and that's what makes the cost in lives and in dollars so incredibly infuriating. The question now is if increased media attention can help stem the tide, or if measles will return to becoming part of the American landscape with the past two decades as just a brief respite? And if so, what steps policymakers and tech platforms will take to combat it? In 20 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios Science Editor Andrew Friedman. But first, this. BridgeBank believes in the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors, those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. That's why BridgeBank has been dedicated to providing financial solutions to sponsor-backed emerging technology and growth companies for nearly two decades through its national network of banking teams and offices. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. We're joined now by Axios Science Editor Andrew Friedman. So, Andrew, let's just start with this. In layman's terms, what is measles? Measles is an extremely contagious virus. It can cause fever, can cause cold symptoms. It can cause a rash, a telltale rash. That's pretty much the biggest sign of the virus. And it can kill you, correct? Yeah. The major complications that people worry about are encephalitis, which is a swelling of the brain, and pneumonia. And people with weakened immune systems or the young, really young kids don't, you know, may not have the ability to fight back. You wrote about this this morning and you quoted Anthony Fauci, who leads the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Disease. And he told you that all the stars are aligned for this current mess we're in. What does he mean by that? What stars aligned? So in talking to him, we went through basically all the anti-vaccine forces that we have right now. You want 93 to 95% of a population to be vaccinated in order to have what's known as herd immunity, so that if a measles-infected person comes into that community, it's very unlikely that anybody will get sick or that it will spread. What's happening is that you have the anti-vaxxer movement, which has succeeded broadly online, both on social media as well as e-commerce sites selling many books through Amazon and others, and those sites have begun to crack down on this stuff. You also have a lot of people, and this is what I was trying to get at in the story today, you have a lot of people who don't know what measles is, who have had no experience with it. The vaccination campaign in the United States began in 1963. So, for example, I have never known anybody who has had the measles. No, do I. I'm 43. I, I don't know either. Yeah. So that's a good thing because the vaccination campaign succeeded, but it may be making people complacent because the vaccination campaign hasn't succeeded everywhere in the world. So what's happening is we're getting these cases that are imported from other countries where there is endemic measles or there is a significant outbreak. And because fewer people are vaccinating their kids, they end up 
causing a pretty significant flare-up. Obviously, the numbers in the U.S. are rising, whereas you said it had been eradicated officially in 1980. The global numbers have also been rising. Is that also anti-vaccination movements in other places? But the numbers are increasing elsewhere as well. Yeah, the numbers are increasing around the world, which is alarming a lot of health officials. It's alarming the World Health Organization quite a bit. There's been a 300% increase this year so far, over last year so far. And it's not just one place. So we've seen this in a number of European countries. We've seen this in a number of countries in Africa where the capacity to do mass vaccinations may not quite be there. We've seen this in Asia as well. So the anti-vaccination movement being based online, there are factors that are different in every single country, but we do see hesitancy to getting vaccinated or incomplete vaccinations occurring and maybe not enough resources being put into vaccination campaigns in other countries. From what you've seen, is there any scientifically valid research suggesting that measles vaccine can be harmful to people who take it? Absolutely not. There's none. This vaccine is safe. It's effective. There are instances, like with many other vaccines, where some people have some form of allergic reaction. There was a study published in the past six months or so ago that was a very large, very statistically significant study that really put the final nail in the coffin, so to speak. That's probably a terrible turn of phrase here. Yes, it is. Yes. (laughs) My apology. But it basically said there is no link between the measles vaccine and autism. That was put forward in one study that was then retracted. And that researcher, you know, remains prominent in the anti-vaxxer community. But there is no valid scientific evidence showing that the MMR vaccine is problematic in any significant way. Final question for you, Andrew. What role, if any, should policymakers have here? You obviously have uh, legislatures in certain states who have said if kids aren't don't have certain vaccinations, then they shouldn't be able to go to the local public schools, although that often gets challenged in court. From a policy perspective, maybe even on a federal level, is there anything that can be done here outside of giving the CDC more money or reallocating money inside the CDC to deal with this? Yeah, there's a couple of things. This is a little bit of a double-edged sword here, given the current occupants of the White House and what he said in the past about vaccines. But it's very unusual for the president in a situation like this not to speak up about vaccination. We've seen presidents since FDR speak up about polio vaccinations, about different flu vaccines, about other public health scares and really try to make themselves the model for what the health community is instructing them to do. You know, they have health experts, they have the CDC, they have the Surgeon General. Have we not heard from Trump on this? Has he not tweeted about this or said anything? No, he hasn't tweeted or said anything about this. In fact, yesterday was, I think, the first time we saw a cabinet member speak up about this, which was the HHS Secretary Alex Azar who forcefully came out and said, people need to be vaccinated. We need to redouble our efforts. So if Trump does come out and hopefully says something supportive of the public health community, that would be significant. Also, there are efforts underway in multiple states from uh, Oregon to California and elsewhere to try to narrow those vaccine exemptions that they allowed and that may have contributed to some of the outbreaks there. Andrew Friedman, science editor of Axios, thank you so much for joining us. My final two right after this. 
with offices in tech hubs throughout the country, including San Francisco, Boston, Atlanta, and now Seattle, BridgeBank continues to meet the innovation ecosystem wherever it thrives. And through its teams focused on technology and life sciences companies and the equity investors who fuel them, BridgeBank delivers a responsive, high-touch client experience. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is a tiny London startup called Synthesia, which just raised about $3 million from Mark Cuban and other venture capitalists. This is the company whose technology is behind a viral video in which soccer star David Beckham speaks in nine different languages, even though the real David Beckham doesn't know how to speak in nine different languages. So in the video, the actual voice doesn't always sound like Beckham, but his lips do match the words almost perfectly. It is both mesmerizing and terrifying, reflecting big improvements in so-called deepfake technology. Now, Synthesia says its goal, its business goal, is to lower video production costs, not say create a video in which a political candidate appears to say something they didn't actually say. And its CEO says Synthesia is working with governments to create better safeguards. But this might not be the sort of thing where the tech genie can be put back in the bottle. And finally, Uber is expected to go public on the New York Stock Exchange next month. But there is some mild, and I emphasize mild, drama over who will be on the exchange's balcony when the actual bell is rung. As I reported today in the Pro Rata newsletter, former Uber CEO Travis Kalanick asked during a recent board meeting if he and his fellow two co-founders would be up there, alongside plans for longtime company executives, drivers, and couriers. A fellow director, whose investment firm actually once sued Kalanick for fraud, actually spoke in favor of the idea. But current CEO Derek Khosrowshahi was non-committal at best. So we'll see who's up there when they get up there. And in the meantime, should soon get official word on how many shares Uber plans to sell and at what price. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great national zucchini bread day. And we'll be back next week with more Pro Rata Podcasts.